Hi, everybody. It's Richard Zwicky on The Green Peak. And joining us today, we have Justin Dye, who's the CEO of Schwaz, which is also the owner of Greenleaf, a dispensary chain that has 10 locations in New Mexico and almost two dozen in Colorado. Welcome aboard, Justin. Yeah, thank you, Richard. We appreciate uh, appreciate the opportunity to talk with you today. Yeah, thanks. You know, thanks for joining us on the show. You've got an interesting background. You used to be the CAO of Albertsons. And obviously that experience from the retail, from the grocery perspective, brought a lot of value to the dispensary chains. How did you, um, how are you applying that experience to cannabis? You know, I think, I think uh, every, every business is different. There's, uh, you know, when we think about, when I think about all the great training and everything I learned uh, on the food retail side and the integrated supply chain side there, there are things to certainly take. And then there's things that are just unique and different with this industry. So I think being smart enough to know you don't know it all and tapping into uh, cannabis experts where you need to do that. And then trying to bring, you know, some structure and some playbooks around how we run really good retail Uh, how we manage the business, how we uh, position it to scale, uh, that we get we get bigger as we get bigger, we get better uh, to leverage size and scale and take care of customers, et cetera. So, uh, you know, if you look at our at Albertsons, we had retail stores, we had an omni channel, uh, very, you know, very substantial e-commerce business. And then we also had, we did a little bit of wholesaling in some of our in some of our areas, particularly up in Alaska. And then we also had manufacturing facilities where we manufactured breads and cheese and milk and ice cream, and and uh, we had some vertical integration there. It wasn't totally vertically integrated, but it was in strategic places and strategic categories. And of course, we had. Um, distribution, and then we had our own products, so our private label, so launching CPG products that are, you know, high quality and value. So there's, you know, there's quite a bit to take from that, and obviously in in food retail, the margins are very, very thin. And They're very narrow, absolutely. You, you, and you got to do a million things right every day to make yeah. to make money. So yeah, I it's think a, a, a game of pennies, right? But it's volume based. I actually, I built a small retail chain many years ago and sold, uh, and you know, it was very interesting to build out the, but one of the things that really is different in the cannabis space is the supply chain differences because in standard retail, it's a, you know, it's a legal standard open market everywhere. There isn't any, uh, you know, we're not dealing with schedule one. We're not dealing with any of that. And in so many other industries, what are some of the differences and challenges of note that you've really come across that were unexpected for you? Well, I think, I think in general, uh, when you look at, you look at cannabis, I mean, let's start with, from a regulatory perspective. I mean, cannabis is, uh, it's crazy. Uh, it doesn't make any common sense, but it's still a schedule one drug with some, you know, some, some of the drugs that are, you know, cocaine and, uh, you know, really highly addictive and drugs that are not good, good for people. And then cannabis does a lot of good. So it doesn't belong on that list. And, uh, you know, we we're working on lobbying there. So obviously you have that. And then that prohibits banking, banking services and uh, from federally chartered banks. Now you can do business with state chartered banks, but we're not allowed to use credit cards. 
And, uh, you know, so you're using cash and debit and we, you know, that's a real issue uh, from a safety perspective. So you have to really watch how much cash we have and how we protect that cash and move it uh, through our network and through our treasury functions. So that's, you know, that's one, obviously, you know, the product, uh, you know, the product is, is for adults and for individuals who are, who are either using as medicine or using it for, uh, you know, recreational purposes to enjoy life and to, and to escape a little bit from, uh, the hectic days. Um, so when, when you look at all that, that's a little bit different. Now, right. having said that, we had pharmacies uh, in retail, so we had combination stores, so we had child-proof packaging, mm-hmm. uh, doctor's orders, and things like that that we have on the medical side. So there's there's some similarities. Uh, well, and there's a big bifurcation in the market internationally with regards to medical is considered true medical, and recreational is very obviously just recreational, whereas, you know, in the U.S., it's a much more blurry line. Um, but when you had to operate with the, you know, in the grocery store and the pharmacy and the controls that were put in place, that is obviously a much stricter uh, environment than in most dispensaries, which it's not that they don't give good advice in terms of how different products can be used for different conditions right. or to help people, but the, the focus is slightly different and the training is different. Is that something you have to approach? We do. In fact, we just got out of a quarterly business review that where we were talking exactly about about training and making sure that we have we have you know we have more touch points uh, to advise customers on what they're looking for. So we got to make sure that they're they're trained up. They know how to take care of the customer. They're well informed. They're grounded in our philosophies and our value system of taking care of customers. Right. And trying to solve their their needs and and have having a great experience at retail and having a great experience online if they're you know shopping via e-commerce. So uh, for sure, the, the training the training requirement is is very high in cannabis. So you know I think I think there's there's similarities and there's differences. But if you really look at how how do we think about leveraging? Uh, leveraging large-scale, integrated, sophisticated uh, retailing practices that certainly I learned by observing and doing and, and uh, leading at Albertsons. It's really about running very good retail and having retail stores and omni-channel that stand for something. So you got it is, and it is, and I, you know, with your experience and background, I'm. You know, I don't know how Albertson did it, but one of the most valuable things I ever saw was having the executive and the management of the various retailers spend time in the stores, interacting with the customers, understanding truly what they wanted and needed. Sometimes they didn't know how to express it um, so that you could stay ahead of where the customer curve was going. How do you approach that with a, you know, it's a between your 23 and 10, you're up to 33 odd locations how much time does your executive team spend out in the field in the stores? You know, if you if you looked at our executive team that's working on retail, they're in they're probably in twenty to thirty stores a week. Right. Uh, I try to be in a similar amount mm-hmm. uh, competition as well as our own stores, but retail is, retail is every day. It's twenty four seven, and you've got to be out in the field. That's where 
things are happening. It's where brands are being built. That's where the customer are giving you clues to what the next set of products should be and how they're valued. And uh, that's that's everything. So really looking at the voice of customer, being out in the field, working with our frontline uh, team members that are at the dispensary level is very important. So yes, we uh, our team is out in the field and our team's out with customers on the wholesale side too. Well, that, that's very important as well. And, you know, actually, I'd like to come back to that after we take a short break, because that goes towards building customer loyalty, which is a challenge in any retail uh, group. But we'll be back in a minute with Justin Dye from Schwaz on The Green Peak. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. And we're back on the Green Peak with Justin Dye from Schwaz. And Justin, just before the break, we we're talking about you know spending time in the stores. And one of the one of the reasons I always found it incredibly beneficial, and I always recommend it to companies when I you know consult and work with them, is without that you don't. It's not just that you don't understand what the customer is looking for before they know they want it, but it also helps build customer loyalty. And one of the challenges in any retail operation is the consumer has lots of alternatives and you need to stand out above and beyond them. So they keep coming back to you, not going elsewhere. How do you work at building customer loyalty? Yeah. So a couple, couple of ways. One is knowing what you stand for. So our stores, we want them to have the, one of the broadest assortments. So you can really fill, you can do one, one trip, one shop and get what you want, the brand that you want and we're not completely vertically integrated. So we offer uh, a number of uh, edibles from a number of suppliers, as well as flour and pre-rolls and concentrates. So we have great variety. We also want to serve, you know, the highest quality products. If it if it's not a quality product, we're not going to carry it. We'll take care of the customer and then obviously service. So those are the three things that we really want to focus on. And we do that at our retail side. The other part of loyalty you know, I think just delivering on the brand promise of having a good experience, having, you know, uh, quality products, having really good service and advice at the point of sale where people are learning about products and, you know, some of the benefits. So, and then also we have a, you know, we also have a loyalty program uh, across our three banners. We have three banners, our green leaf down in New Mexico, we have Emerald Fields and Starbuds in Colorado. So, you know, that loyalty piece to really reward uh, those, our best customers with good value, Mm -hmm. with early, you know, with early access to products, uh, with giveaways and things like that, that can continue to to add value. You know, we've run some promotions. Uh, If you signed up, you could, you could receive a, you know, a gas card where a lot of our customers are struggling at the pump. It's very expensive. So, you know, you have a lot of ways to do that. And I think also, you know, being present in the communities and giving back and really being a part of the community fabric of sponsoring, you know, sponsoring different cleanups or different, um, you know, building houses out in the community, helping people that need help, looking at people that have displaced uh, and haven't had a fair shot of finding work and being able to right. do that. So, I think our industry is really poised to do a lot of those good things. And that builds, uh, you know, just it's the right thing to do and builds loyalty too. Yeah. And our industry came out of really a desire to do better for people, to give them alternatives that were 
were improved over anything they had available in the marketplace and really to help people. So when we look at ways of giving back there, it isn't just a black and white issue of we're going to invest or, you know, donate something. It's actually, this industry is based on how do we do better? Right. And that's, you know, that's always an important uh, aspect. Um, You know, and one of the things you mentioned with regards to, you know, client loyalty and differentiation alike, and is things you do, um, in terms of diversity of product and, and informing customers, how do you approach the ancillary products as a means of engaging more with customers? Because obviously you can't advertise in some way, the ways you'd like to with cannabis, but the ancillary products give you opportunities. Is that something you leverage heavily or you recommend for other retailers to leverage hey, you heavily? Know, we, have a, we have a digital marketing platform that's in all of our stores where mm-hmm. we, can, we can tell stories, we can get background around products, and we can partner with uh, CPG and growers uh, to be able to share their story. People are very interested in where product has been grown, what kind of flower, what kind of care it received, where, mm-hmm. where it was grown. And also around products. So storytelling is very, very important in doing that. So we have a network of, uh, you know, a network, a platform where we have video walls with uh, uh, curated content to explain things that help, you know, our bud tenders uh, and people in the stores right. as well. So, you know, that's, that's clearly important. And I think having, you know, we really want to stand for each category that you've got a lot of choice and we want to provide that. So you got choice. If you're in the gummy category, you got choice. If you're in the concentrate category, if you're shopping flower, one of our stores, you know, has 85 strains. So you have a lot of, varieties. that's a lot of varietals to choose from where you compare that to, you know, people that we compete with, they don't have that variety. They don't, you know, they, uh, and there's good operators here. I'm not saying anything bad, but oh, that's, yeah. how, that's how we, that's how we carve out. It's part of how you time. differentiate. That's right. Now, when you offer 85 varietals, what information are you providing the customer in terms of the um, different cannabinoids that are present in each? Yeah. So typically we'll talk, I mean, we talk about, uh, terpene profile uh-huh. talk about does it does the genetics do they you know do they skew towards a hybrid do they skew towards a sativa do they skew towards um, you know an indica uh, we talk you know where where it was grown what the what it was crossed what are the genetics and what are the profile and sort of what the experience is so uh-huh. you know there's quite a bit there's quite a bit to it in our and our people, uh, a customer, you know, our customer service people at store level are, are experts on it. And, you know, that expertise is key. And, you know, you, you mentioned training earlier. How much time do your bud tenders and other store staff spend in training versus on the floor? And how much do they spend before they even hit the floor? Yeah, you know, they spend uh, roughly a week uh, okay. understanding mm-hmm. our values and what we want to do and kind of watching watching what what our uh, associates do etc and and then you learn by doing you shadow people and you know we want to make sure that we are taking care of the customer and customer leaves happy uh 100% of the time you're never going to get that but that's our goal and yep. make sure it's a really great experience you know it's little things it's little things like when a customer comes in the door you greet them within 5 seconds mm-hmm. you make them you welcome them to your you know your living room so to speak that's what we talk 
talk about right. giving really great, you know, great service and uh, treating them the way they should be treated. And that that never goes out of style. And right. you see it, you see it in your customer service scores. You see it in sales. Uh, you can tie, you can correlate great service and knowledge and a positive attitude to uh, certain, you know, certain bud tenders drive more sales. And there's a lot yeah. to that. So trying to encapsulate that and trying to make that a uh, something that we can we can model and train is, uh, you know, it gets more difficult as you get larger and we're, we're tackling it. It is difficult. And, you know, I know a lot of taking a look at the restaurant industry. I, I put myself through school cooking in restaurants back in Montreal. And one of the most impressive things I saw right at the start with one of the groups I worked with was their training where every single employee, it didn't matter what job they did, had to go through the uh, training system learn about every yeah. ingredient, how the combinations would affect the palate, so on and so forth, and also for the wines. And that experience really shaped a lot of the information I've taken forward with regards to retail, but also in any of the operations that there has to be a similar base of knowledge. And what you're describing is something very similar, that everybody will have that because the consumer wants to know. And they want to have confidence that your staff are able not just to say, hey, this is going to do great things for you, but here's why it's going to help you. You know, I mean, whether whether you got Michelin stars or Zagat stars or, you know, the scoring system, wine spectator scores with wine, uh, having that describe sort of what the levels are, what the quality levels are. So people understand what the value proposition is. We're tackling that. We've got we've got a couple of things in Skunk Works around how do we score how do how do we score certain um, buds? How do we score you know certain genetics, et cetera, at the shelf, and uh, and really educating the the consumer about that. And uh, you know, there's some work being done there that we're excited about. I think it's some some ground uh, ground paving uh, activities and being able to do that to work better with the customer, but. Uh, customers need to know what quality they're buying, where it's coming from, and they need to understand more. And it's our job to share that and make sure our folks are educated. They do. And, you know, consumer confidence is a, is a constant battle because one bad, one bad experience really breeds hundreds of problems. Whereas one great experience, you know, customers don't always talk about the great experiences broadly, but they do tell enough people that it matters. Um, But one of the challenges with that experience is, especially because you're operating in, new, in different states, is the product uh, varies dramatically. And you're dealing with a lot of brands in your, your store. You mentioned about 80 different varietals of uh, flour alone. How do you deal with the consistency issue? Well, we we uh, we have a very intense quality program. Uh, you know, it doesn't. But do brands it. have, because they're grown in different states, the product, the source product is going to affect the outcome. And that's, that's a challenge for the retailer as well, because somebody will see a particular brand in your store in Colorado and a different one in New Mexico, and the inputs are different. And it doesn't matter, you know, it matters, obviously, the quality you put into it, but the outcomes are slightly always different. How do you address that? Yeah, great, great question. So from our, from our perspective, I mean, we're in Colorado, and we're in New Mexico, and yep. we have very stringent quality standards, and we inspect the product particularly the strains coming in. And, you know, we work with consistent, I mean, these, these are sophisticated CPG providers. So the gun mm-hmm. providers, et cetera, 
They have very good practices. They're very consistent. And, uh, you know, that's important to us. So it's about, it's like any other industry, you partner with good companies that have an, you know, an, an intent to, to drive really good quality and they got good standards that match yours. And then we do a lot of inspection and, and, uh, but you're right there, each, each state, each ecosystem is a little bit different, but we've got our formulation of what we want to do from a distillate perspective as we sell that via wholesale. Right. And, um, you know, we try to standardize as much as we can, but we do, you know, you can grow similar strains, similar ways and have more consistency uh, than you probably think. Oh, it's, it is amazing what you can do. Just flower is such a, a testy or difficult item because any variance results in huge changes in the in the plant itself by the time it expresses its final uh, results after drying and packaging. But you, but you measure what cannabinoids are there. You also yep. look at the terpene profile. We've got a uh, bioscience division that does mm-hmm. both our quality as well as looks at does a lot of research on minor cannabinoids and how <laughs> they could be helpful. Uh, on the on the medical side in the form of medicine as well as on the recreational side yeah. but, uh, you know I just think you'll see the industry continue to get more and more sophisticated we uh, we've got a long way to go in in training and and developing our supply chain and having more consistency at retail and and continuing to grow so it's yeah. uh, it's fun to work on it every day yeah, it's still very early days in this industry. There's early, no question about that. Early days and brands are, you know, brands are made at retail. Yep. That's where the brand is made. And That's right. If you've got facings and customers are uh, getting enticed to trial and mm-hmm. they're having good experiences, that's the way a brand is built. And then you obviously, you know, make sure that you stay in front of them from a marketing perspective. So absolutely. It, that's really important. It is. It is. And actually, I'd like to come back to uh, some of that after we take another break, but and also to look at what's in the future for Schwaz. We'll be back in a moment with The Green Peak with Justin Dye from Schwaz. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. And we're back on the Green Peak with Justin Dye from Schwaz. And Justin, you know, your your firm has grown rapidly over the last three years um, relative to the marketplace. And, you know, it's really well done. As firm, as companies like this grow, you start uh, getting to the point of looking at more and more M&A, but also as you're developing your own brand, you develop your, your own products. How are you looking at that towards the future? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, as we... You know, they remind me we're, we're coming up almost on 10 years of adult use here in Colorado. This is, if not the most sophisticated, uh, one of the most sophisticated markets and our customers are very sophisticated. And, you know, they push us uh, to come up with new products, et cetera. That's exciting for us. We, we really want to look at the key categories. We want to partner with great suppliers that have their own brands, as well as be able to provide some of the products that uh, we think fill a value gap or fill a quality gap uh, in that category. And uh, we're excited about that. We have Purple Bees. We have Autograph, which is our premium brand that we're uh, on the on the uh, vape side. 
and we think we can leverage that. And then we're, you know, we're working on a few others that uh, will coexist with our, with our CPG suppliers and our flower growers um, as well. So excited about that. And you got to keep your eye towards really driving efficient supply chain, the supply chain. So manufacturing and distribution, procurement and sourcing and category management. Uh, as you get larger, you uh, you got to really focus on that because you should have a competitive advantage by doing that uh, from a cost perspective and a quality perspective. And we're seeing that. And uh, the team's done a good job of embracing principles. We're launching a distribution center here that uh, we're very excited about. It will simplify our vendors' Uh, billing and visiting requirements of all of our stores. So instead of invoicing each store, they can invoice the distribution center. We're taking a lot of noise out of the supply chain, which all translates to the customer. And the customer will benefit from a better better product, better value, better in-stock position. That's, that's good because that's always one of the issues for any customers. They walk into the store and if they don't find the product they're looking for, there's a, there's a letdown. So, you know, you mentioned something about, you know, launching on products, looking towards the future, future proofing and legalization isn't around the corner as much as we'd like it to be from a federal perspective. Yeah. You know, I hear all sorts of estimates. I mean, the most optimistic say it'll be next year, but it's been next year for the last five to a lot of people looking at, you know, it's still a five-year timeline until we get legalization. And once legalization happens, we're 18 to 24 months until a regulatory framework comes into place. Obviously, that's a challenge for any retailer, any business in the space. But psilocybin and some of the other uh, compounds that are hitting the market are going to be coming faster than cannabis to full legalization, it, it would appear. And actually, it's happening elsewhere. How do you look at those products and those alternatives as an opportunity for your group? You know, that's a great, great question. You know, we, we certainly are watching psilocybin and we're looking at some of the uh, some of the opportunities there. And what does that do for, you know, for our patient base and customers? Uh, I think they are going to, you know, we'll, we'll find out more about that market from a regulatory perspective. I mean, they are behind where cannabis is. So, you know, we'll continue to, to monitor that. That may be an opportunity for, you know, for businesses like us down the road. But having said that, you know, we, we're going to build this company. We're going to grow our retail footprint. We're going to take care of our wholesale customers. We're going right. to continue to get more and more efficient. And, you know, our goal is to be uh, the most efficient company in our markets and to be the largest in those markets and the best. And, uh, you know, we take that serious. Uh, we've got good competitors, uh, but that's that's what, you know, we get excited about taking care of the customer, making a difference and creating something we're all really proud of. So, you know, when you when you kind of look at that, you're going to continue to look at, you know, different M&A opportunities and that we see the market coming to us. So we think <laughs> as, you, as you future-proof the business, size and scale, certainly e-commerce, is something that we're going to have to spend, we spend time on today. Mm -hmm. And it's really going to be state by state on how e-commerce is treated. And as you build out to being, you know, the biggest and the best in the markets you're in, are you looking at density or expanding the geographical footprint? Which, which is more important to you in the near term? Um, because obviously, regardless, you're going to gain the economies of scale. 
Right. It, you know, our, our primary goal, our focus has been uh, unwavering focus on building depth in our current market. So that's Colorado and New Mexico. So that's where that's really the, the most important thing. So we're going to continue to look at uh, opportunities on the wholesale side, look at opportunities on you know retail outlets and uh, acquiring and also uh, growing organically. We've got really terrific organic opportunities down in New Mexico. So we have a number of stores planned there that will uh, you know, service a broader customer base. But I think you know, depth is very, very important in the states uh, where we're operating. So I'd rather be really deep in a few states than spread thin across uh, multiple states. And you, know, you go back and study a lot of great retailers over the years, you go look at, you know, you look at A&P grocery stores. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were all over the country. You know, they, uh, I think they had over 10,000 stores in the U.S. If, if I remember from the book, I, I kind of studied. If you, right. look, if you look at Kmart, if you look mm-hmm. at, you know, there's a lot of retailers, Sears. I mean, there's a lot of retailers. Look, Starbucks and Starbucks and McDonald's. And they had, you know, a bit of a different philosophy in how they opened up, but still their footprint was, is massive. It's, it's massive. So, you know, for us to do that the right way with our business model, we have to continue to drive more depth. So uh, it just gives us more size, more scale. Our marketing dollars go farther. Uh, we get to let, we've got a very fixed operating cost model here. We're very tough on SGNA expenses. So if we, you know, in Colorado, if we pick up seven to 10 more stores, we're not going to add a person. And right. we get to leverage that, you know, SGNA. Now you have you have step changes, of course, as you get bigger, you may, you know, you, you expand geography. But huh? the thing I love about this business is the operating leverage is enormous here. So the more revenue you pour at the top, that's good, high quality revenue, organic or M and A, and we're disciplined around how we how we buy businesses uh-huh. and partner with really good businesses. Um, you know, I think this is a winning formula. It's it's been working the last uh, two and a half, three years, and we're going to generate free cash flow this year. And our our goal is to generate free cash flow until uh, you know we have federal legalization and safe banking, and we'll be just fine. We won't have to tap capital markets unless we have something extraordinary. Which is uh, a great uh, position to be in for any firm. Go buy, and you know we are we're a uh, we're a high growth safe bet. And uh, that's why I love, I love this opportunity. I love the investment. Well, fantastic. Um, for people who want to learn more about Schwaz and, you know, not just the locations, but the business itself, how should they approach you? Uh, well, they, if, if, they're, if they are investors, they can go out to our website. So it's schwaz.com, S-C-H-W-A-Z-Z-E.com. We have an investor page, and then we have kind of a more commercial page. If uh, if they're a supplier, uh, we should have an email out there that if they want to be considered to be put on our shelves and to dry, you know, meet with category managers who we have that cover the different categories, they should have a contact out there. And um, you know, we uh, appreciate the opportunity, and we're we're out looking at at uh, new locations and different businesses to partner with all the time. So um, that's probably the best way to do it. Fantastic. Well, Justin, thanks for joining us on The Green Peak this week. It's been a really interesting conversation.
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.